Logan against Orndorff. And they put us on third. And a lot of promoters always put the main event on last. Like they do in boxing, I guess, everything else. The playoffs are last, the World Series are last. But um, Vince always put the main event on like fourth. That way he could have an intermission and then announce the return for next card and sell tickets at that event. Oh, okay. See? And if you weren't coming back with Orndorff, you'd probably go last. But if you were returning, you always went on in the middle so he could announce the tickets on sale for next month's card, Orndorff and Hogan back, with another disqualification or something. Huh. He'd probably do $50,000 at night, $100,000. Good New York, and what happened to him? Uh, Stallone went to the 
matches and saw him and sent word back that he wanted to talk to him because he wanted him to play Thunder Rips in that first Rocky. I was in Minneapolis and he had done the movie and everything. His career took off. And then in 83, I went to Japan for a month. And when I came back, uh, before, before that, Hogan came in. And uh, I guess Vernon had talked to Vince. And, you know, he had a year there in New York. And when your time was up, you still left. So he came into Minneapolis and uh, he was on fire. And they tried to make him a heel, but they even gave him a manager, not a real good one, Johnny Bryant. And uh, they tried to make him a heel, and he was beating two or three guys a night in handicap matches. People loved him. Loved him. Yeah. And uh, he was him and the Crusher were the biggest thing to ever hit the AWA. Do you have any thought of putting him with you if they wanted to make him a heel? Huge money, huge money. And they treat him like a king over there. 
I worked with before. Yeah, exactly. I knew John Spett, I knew Slaughter, I knew Piper, I knew Pat Patterson, I knew uh, the same group of guys, so it wasn't any different. Um, things picked up speed a lot. Um, I think after I left New York, in the last five years, I think, with the I think it started with the Bulldogs, the British Bulldogs and stuff like that, but the Road Warriors with their big press slams and everything. Uh, I think the business picked up speed there. And uh, but the manager, you do the same thing, you just know how to get yourself over, and if you talk right and say the right things and do the right things at the right time, you're going to work for you. So that never bothered me. I, I wasn't going to take a hoot at Carolina from Little Beaver. <laughs> Jesse's complaint was it was probably something about Hogan because that's why he left 
what, what a move, look at that. He goes, yeah. So I guess uh, somebody empowered us out and said, we don't need this guy on there talking to him. We were paying him a lot of money to put over all our people. And uh, I think that's what happened with those two. They're just uh, those two in a room with them. Yeah. Uh, put them out on top. Hogan. <laughs> yeah. Hogan. Uh, yeah. Was Jesse known for his preparation before a match or did he just show up? Like, like for commentating, I should say. Doing, you know, learning an angle and knowing an angle. Or oh, Jesse was always uh, on the ball. Yeah. He knew what to talk about. He knew what was going on. He prepared himself. Yeah. 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 That's a common misconception about him. Sometimes he sounded like he didn't know. Well, Jesse's very smart at what he does. He he can make himself sound that way. Yeah. That's if he don't want you over. Or he acts like he don't care about you. Oh, I got you. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Jesse knows what, he, what he's doing. We've got enough work on it. Yeah, man, important enough. Yeah. There's enough of private what they're paying you for, but that's what. But that's not, that's not a bad person or a good yeah, person. That's yeah. a person's personality. Yeah. That's why people, they get divorced. It's not because they were bad or, usually it's because you just don't get along. Yeah. First of all, we were raised boy stuff. We played ball. We got dirty. We had frogs. Yeah. We, we worked at dirty magazines. Yeah. Girls had little dresses. They had yeah. dolls. Yeah. They had sugar spice and everything nice. Yeah. Then we get about 15 and start looking around and think, yeah, I, I like some of that. <laughs> and then you get married and you don't even know each other. What you should do is meet every two weeks at the Red Roof. Yeah. Ground <laughs> level and that's it. Remember <laughs> her go slow for the week and you go drinking and you use the clicker. <laughs> that's nice. I'm going to get home.
Yeah. 
wasn't the random thing. I used to carry all their jackets. <laughs> Chief used to give me five bucks to watch his car. Boozy used to give me five bucks to wrestle for the year. <laughs> and Bobo would have given me 50 if I had asked him. He was such a nice guy. Yeah, yeah. Bobo taught me how to chew tobacco and and uh, Copenhagen. <laughs> and then I had to chew Redman for a while, or Beeson. I forget. I think it was Redman. Then after that, we take it out, open up, put the Copenhagen in there. Then you start dealing yourself. <laughs> but he was a good man, Bobo. <laughs> so it was more, it was like the first match, it was more like excitement as opposed to nerves. Yeah, I wasn't nervous because I, I, I've never experienced winning or losing in my life. Yeah. Have you? As far as a major level. Like, I won and lost at Little League. That was it. Yeah. Oh, Ever since yeah. then, yeah. I never had to, went to the uh, NCAA championship. Yeah, yeah. I never went to that putt for 100 grand. Yeah. I never went to the World Series ring. I, and I never played, I never went to high school, so I never played on a team. So I don't know what winning and losing is. I don't know that the agony of defeat. I've never been defeated. I know the agony of getting a bad paycheck. And I know the, uh, the, the, the good feeling of getting more money than you thought you'd get, which doesn't happen that often. But uh, no, I have, I have no idea that competitive feeling. So it never occurred to me. I was out there to entertain. Huh. I always thought to myself, there's Shakespearean actors like uh, Sir Lawrence Olivier. There's comedic actors like... Robin Williams, and then there's athletic actors, and that's what we are. Yeah. Nothing less, nothing more. Mm. There are some wrestlers like Vern Gagne, who was a very tough man and a very good wrestler, very good shooter. There is no shooting that draws you money. Yeah. If there was, he'd have been in it, and he'd have won it all, but he'd have never met me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> 
Virginia and Vern. So everybody had sent out for a sandwich or something. And we did a Channel 11, Channel 9 studios. Yeah. And they also had the news desk set in there. So some of the guys were sitting by the desk set and doing different things. I'm not sure Jesse was in there or not. So he would always sleep on the floor behind the So I think uh, everybody's reading the magazine or something. And um, Schultz comes in the studio and he walks up to Vern. There was no cameraman, no ice or nothing. Yeah. And he said, don't you tell anybody I was fired because I quit. I sent you a telegram last night. And Vern said, get the hell out of here before I have you thrown out. He said, you ain't going to do nothing to me, old man, you old bald-headed man. And Vern looked at him, and Vern, Vern realized that he was in a TV station, and he didn't want to lose his TV. Yeah. So he, he went to go get assistance, like yeah. the police or somebody there. And Greg said, I'll, 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 I'll go with you. And I guess Superstar and Lanza held him back, or Vern would have been going to a funeral. Because <laughs> I don't care. Sometimes, you know, like the old saying, don't let your mouth catch your trick. <laughs> Can't pay or something. But... Uh, Schultz was, he was wound up as tight as a cheap watch and ready to explode. And, uh, uh, they, 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 they told Greg and then Schultz finally just left. And then after Schultz left, um, with Hogan, they got Gene to go and he just left. So when I talked to Hogan and then I talked to Vince, I called Vern at home. And his wife said he's not here. And then I said, well, he, he said he was his grandson, which is Greg's boy. So I called over Greg. I said, is your dad there? He said, no, why? I said, well, I just want to talk about something. Is anything important? Well, I figured he was here anyway. Yeah. I thought I was made an offer by the WWF. He said, oh, those bastards are after it again. I said, Anna, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take it. I said, so it's a substantial offer. He said, go ahead. Well, I asked him later. Why he always said that, go ahead. He says, because usually the guy won't go. Nine out of ten times we win. Okay, smart mentality. <laughs> so, I called, and Vern called me back. I guess Greg found him. <laughs> and Vern said, well, what is it, Bobby? I said, that's something I talked to you about. He said, yeah, I said, the WWF called, and they made me an offer. Well, the bastards are after you again. <laughs> Same as five and you know. And I said, I'm going to accept the offer. He says, you're what? I'm going to accept the offer. He says, tell it to me face to face. I said, you be in the office this afternoon? He said, yeah. I said, what time would you like me there? He said, one o'clock. So I'll see you at one. This goes on for a bit. So you got enough tape? No, that's fine. No, I was just making sure of the batteries. So uh, I tell my wife, I said, we're going to the office. She said, so what? I said, you're going to be a witness? And I'm going to get my notice. Uh, I really didn't know what they would do to me. Because you don't know. I mean, yeah. He lost Hogan. He lost Schultz didn't mean that much to him here. He lost Hogan and Gene. And now, if he was going to lose me, that would make... Nick wouldn't have anybody. Um, it, it would be a big dent. Like Nick lost his opponent, main opponent, and his manager. Yeah. yeah. And... Uh, 
going on? What happened? That's what he, he called me and made me his offer, which was twice as much as you're paying me. And it's to do Madison Square Garden TV and manage. And the managers in those days would only work the TVs, and they go home, and then they get paid for every time their man was there. So I could be home with my daughter, who was born in 78, so she was two or four years old. I had a chance to be with her, and more at home, no traveling, twice, the, three times the money. And you were doing TV, too, you are doing a broadcast. Did I forget that? No. Oh, oh, oh. He was the one who oh, made me on Madison Square Garden. I was in the Madison Square Garden TV broadcast. Yeah. Oh, okay. But I'm, I wouldn't do the syndication shows. There was oh, okay. no review then or anything. I would do the MGA broadcast, MSG, and then I would do, uh, then I would do the TVs, whatever they had TVs, with the men I managed. Yeah. And he told me how much money I'd make. I said, my God, put the room to the I'll give you this, this much. I don't know why I'll get it, but I'll give it to you. I thought to myself, I know he means well, but he's still business. Yeah. I, I, I think he liked me. But I said, I have to work for, out for myself now. I mean, you've got the big home on Minnetonka. You've got all this land and money. I want that. Yeah. Now's my chance to advance myself and to have it. So I said, but I will finish out my dates. Yeah. I said, but I won't work with Brad Ringens. That's the truth. Yeah. And he said, why? I said, I just won't. And the reason I wouldn't work with Brad Rings was because Brad was new. And Vince had, Vern had just started him. And Vern had donated a lot of money to the Olympic Committee. And Brad's an Olympian. Brad's from Minnesota. Vern's from Minnesota. Now, Vern probably told Brad or something he planned on giving him the belt one day or something. Yeah. So, Brad don't know me. I don't know Brad. I don't want him out there breaking my leg or breaking my neck accidentally on purpose. Yeah, oh, I see. See what I mean? Yeah. So he's the only man I wouldn't trust. Not because I thought he was dishonest. He was so green and young, he might have done it not knowing. But that's not the thing to do. Yeah. So that's the only man I won't work with. Yeah. I finished out my date. I thanked him and left. And now I see him. We're friends. He thanks me for finishing up my dates. He's the only guy that gave me a proper notice and finished out his dates. Yeah. And I thought a date was going to touch me and it hurt me. I was going to take that blade. I was going to cut the top of my head off. <laughs> then they're going to have to. Then we go to court. Yeah. Then we see. You know, then, then we find the. Then we find OJ's shoes in his office, right? <laughs> Actually. Uh, and then you 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 started. You did, was your first appearance WWF appearance in the Better Center or the Garden? Yeah, we stayed. Okay, and then, and then you went to the Met Center. Yeah, but I don't think at that time there was not the there, there wasn't the internet. No one knew that I was there. No, my first appearance was in the Garden, but I walked to the ring, got on the mic. And I made an announcement that I was working for talent. I didn't manage anybody. Oh. No. And that was that was it. Yeah. And then you went to the med center to Yeah. But it's funny, I walked in the garden and everybody knew me. People are sad. Do all by the books.
But Jim, and Jim Ross almost, uh, I think he has a certain amount of drama, like a storyteller. Yeah. Like yeah. I like Ross. As opposed to just the straight, he's doing this, he's doing that. Ross has a certain amount of emotion and drama. And, and Jim Ross, he's very prepared. For the time I worked with him, he always had everything down. He knew about all the football stats. He knew about baseball stats. He knew about amateur wrestling. He's a very educated and a well-prepared guy. He's not well-liked by a lot of guys because he's been put in positions where he had to deal with contracts and different yeah. things and other sure. people's money. That's not his money. Yeah. So, it's a, rough, it's a rough position to be in, but he's a man who chose it, so. Yeah. Good luck. I like you most. As a man and as a talent. Yeah. Uh, Vince was a tremendous guy to work with. At the beginning, I was scared because you don't like working with a boss. But this was the kind of guy that would yell at you. Uh, so if you screwed up, he'd tell you how, it was, how you should do it. The guy was doing an interview once about Bruno. I was saying something about making fun of him or something. This went by and bumped the camera. Uh-oh, retake. <laughs> most, most guys would yell, cut! Yeah. God damn it, you can't say that! Yeah. Pulled him aside. He said, Bruno doesn't really like it if you talk about age and things like that. I said, fine. You just stay on this and that. Fine. That's the way he was. He was smooth. I never yelled. No. Um, and I went out there. I did the way he wanted. And, you know, I'm the kind of a guy. I could never play for Vince Lombardi. If you yell at me, I'll go home. If you compliment me and give me a pat on the back, I'll work harder for you. I'm not the kind of a guy being motivated by that kind of yelling. Because like I said, I never did nothing competitive. So I don't know. What was Vernon yelling? Yeah. Vernon was a yeller. He take it, that's why he's on Harry, and that's all off his head. He goes, Jesus! Jesus! He wouldn't have said Jesus, he'd go, Cripes! Cripes! Yeah, he'd get so mad. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, and Wally, Wally would yell at you, but Ray Stevens and I are, and Wally, and uh, Wally has this girl driver who's driving us up to Dawson, Manitoba, 500, 300 miles north of Winnipeg. So Ray and I in the back, Wally, we're coming back that night. We, we don't know where we are. We're lost. We had some beer in the back and a bottle of wine. So Wally gets out and goes in the hotel to find directions. His cops pull up. He said, what are you guys doing? So we asked, we were hitchhiking. He said, whose car is this? I don't know. Now we're in the hotel. He said, whose wine and beer is this? This is his. So we get out of the car. Cops stand there. He said, okay, get back in. He goes in there. Wally comes out, he's mad in hell, he's looking at me. We get back in the car, he slams through, he says, you, 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 you fucker. He says, he's spending $250 for having an open bottle in the car. And for picking up hitchhikers. He <laughs> <laughs> the rest of the Oh, you know what, you know Wally got that two and a half. Oh, yeah. Many times oh, over, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm sure.
people will cut their nose off to spite yeah. your face, they will. Well, the deal goes for it. Those are his merchandise for that uh, WBF. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I used to tell him, I said, obviously some cheap motels missing a shower curtain. <laughs> <laughs> and then Ben stopped doing it because Mooney was doing it. For Sean Mooney, was he? Yeah, I guess, I don't know. That's funny, Sean Mooney, when he went and gave his resume around for work in the, in the uh, television industry, he never put down that he worked for WWF after he left. Yeah. He had a job, I think, at uh, New York. Um, the station, we were on there in New York. And uh, he never put down that he was a an announcer of WWF. He named everything else he had done. I guess he just got that few years gap in the resume. <laughs> Oh, he was a 